Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Satterton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. This was a pretty pretty awesome week with the fast and just with all that, a lot of the worship and all the stuff going on. It was really, really an amazing week. And worship this morning was awesome. always love when when the worship aligns with the Word, especially when I'm preaching because it helps build courage. <laughs> it's just a good, good time today, this morning. So today I want to talk about fear. I just let the air out of the balloon, right? I was, I was reading, and depending on what translation of the Bible you have, fear is actually mentioned about 350 times in the Bible. And fear not is mentioned about 175 times. To me, like if something's mentioned that much, maybe we should pay a little bit of attention to it, right? So I want to talk about a, a little bit of uh, different types of fears. And one one of the fears that the Lord just kind of showed me during worship is the fear of the future. Uh, we We went through a lot of that stuff during COVID, right? We all kind of like, what's next? You know, people go into a complete frenzy, you know, this is the end of everything, and, and people just had such a fear of of that what if, the what's next, you know, what's going on. Another type of fear is one that's centered around judgment. You know, even as Christians, we just kind of, we can sometimes feel that that God is, is always watching us in order to punish us. You know, that everything that, that goes wrong in our life, or everything Every prayer that's not answered, or you know, when we when we commit some kind of sin, that is going to be attached to some sort of punishment. Another type of fear is found in the scriptures when it talks about the men with the talents. The last guy was given a talent and this expensive gift, really uh, an expensive gift, something very valuable, and he was required to do something with it. And that's where his fear was. His fear was there was a requirement placed on him to do something with this gift, and he did nothing with it. He just buried it. And it just makes me think, you know, we have this wonderful gift of salvation and the gospel. And, you know, do we just bury it and keep it for ourselves? And a lot of these types of fear, all these fears, they play these mind tricks on you, and they want to, you know, draw you away from God instead of towards him. This is what I believe that, that we talk about when we talk about fear to fear. It's this fear that comes upon you that draws you away from God. And I wrote down what I call symptoms of the spirit of fear. Uh, the spirit of fear will cause us to hide from God. Uh, like Adam and Eve, after they sinned, you know, once they sinned and they disobeyed, they, they almost created a prison for themselves, a fear that they covered their bodies, and they physically hid from God when He came. And their fear was, what's He going to do? There's a fear that's, you know, what's His response going to be? And then they're also afraid because they never felt this before. So there was a fear of this awareness of this sin. And they became imprisoned by this fear. And they're really unable to experience the freedom of their relationship with God. Sometimes the spirit of fear will remove focus 
on what God may be calling us to do during a, a difficult situation or a difficult season. This kind of fear will almost trick us into listening to outside voices and outside influences instead of God. It will create obstacles in our hearts and our minds that make it hard for us to even trust God. It can make us run from battles, making things even worse. And this kind of fear causes doubt. It causes, uh, causes us to think that God is untrustworthy. That you know maybe He did this to us. And this fear makes us believe that maybe God's truth isn't just for us. It's maybe it's for others, but not me. And those are all those negative fears. And I'm sure that you can come up with a whole bunch more, but I don't want to waste any time really focusing on that. What I want to focus on today is a healthy fear. And it might not sound like it makes sense, but some examples. I don't know about you, but I have a healthy fear of alligators. And this healthy fear causes me to not go and wrestle one. Right? I have a healthy fear of piranhas, which causes me to not go swimming with them. Okay? I also have a healthy fear of my wife. (laughs) This is the response that I expected. (laughs) But this kind of fear teaches me to honor her and love her. (laughs) She's still laughing at me. You know, and this, this kind of a fear is really based on love. And when I mirror this type of, of fear, this is almost the fear of the Lord. This is the best that I can do, my best attempt to love her in a relationship like he loves. And sometimes I think that we can, can confuse the spirit of fear with the spirit of the Lord. Second uh, Timothy 1, 7, it does say that we were not given a spirit of fear. Which is, you know, it is true, but it's not the same as the spirit or the fear of the Lord. And I feel like the world has really lost the fear of the Lord. You know, it's watered God down to be non-existent, not present, um, untrustworthy. And it doesn't really reflect how truly great and wonderful and amazing that he is. And I think that the fear of the Lord might be one of the most important topics that as the church and as his bride that we can ever study and we can ever want to know. Uh, we go to Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. It says, The Proverbs, Truths obscured, obscurely expressed the maxims of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know skillfully and godly wisdom and instruction to discern and comprehend the words of understanding and insight to receive instruction in wise behavior and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness, righteousness, justice, and integrity that produce good judgment, astute common sense, may be given to the naive or inexperienced who are easily misled, the knowledge of discretion, intelligent discernment to the youth. The wise will hear and increase their learning. 
and the person of understanding will require wise counsel and the skill to steer his course wisely and lead others to the truth. To understand a proverb and the figure of speech or an, an enigma with its interpretation and the words of the wise and their riddles that require reflection. The reverent fear of the Lord that is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. But arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge. Pretty important. It's the beginning. It should be the beginning of our journey as a Christian, period. And it says, the preeminent part of knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge of knowing who God is, and how awesome and how mighty that he is. I think a lot of people will think that the fear of the Lord is some Old Testament thing, but it's it's taught quite a bit in the New Testament. And I think that that thought sometimes will come from Second Timothy that we weren't given a spirit of fear, but I think they just confuse one fear for another. First Peter one seventeen says. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Without the fear of the Lord, we have no understanding of how truly great he is. And I feel like this is a really foundational truth that we base everything, everything that we believe on as Christians. Every healing, every breakthrough, every chain broken, every person saved, you know, everything comes from a knowledge, an experience of how awesome God is. And that's the fear of the Lord. It's not a spirit of fear, it's a spirit of honor and trust. It's a spirit of faith. And we know as an experience how wonderful he is. It's, it's a relationship that we can run to the Father with anything that he has, or anything we have on our hearts. And, it's, and in that experience and in that relationship, it shows us what he's capable of doing and what he's willing to do in and through his children. And... I was talking about the conflicting fears. So I'm going to read out of Exodus 20, 20. It says, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come to order in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him, that is a profound reverence for him, will remain with you so that you do not sin. There's two different types of fears here. It says that do not be afraid, and then it talks about the fear of him. So in this in this verse in the Hebrew, uh, the first of being afraid of someone is the word ki. I'll try to do my my best tiarau, which means to cause to be frightened, and the second is yiraato, which means to revere. 
to hold in high regard. And I, I, sometimes I just don't, I don't know that we can really comprehend this. You comprehend the fear of the Lord because I don't know that we can really, as, as humans, really comprehend how big, how good He is. It's so much bigger. You know, it's a respect. It's a value. It's, it's this love. It's, you know, His very nature that draws us to Him. And it's an understanding that the way that we live our lives can cause Him joy or it could cause Him sadness. You know, it's being that close to God. I want to read out of Psalm 36, 5 through 9. It says, Your loving kindness and graciousness, O Lord, extend to the skies. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. The children of men take refuge in your shadow of your wing. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you allow them to drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, the fountain of life-giving water, and in your light we see light. That's good. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you, Lord. So since we've been reading Daniel this month, I want to read through uh, two different scriptures out of Daniel. Two different uh, little situations that were going on. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you at this point. Like This is awesome to me, right? This is after they were required to bow down to him. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. And it says, we do not need to answer you on this point. But if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image or COVID that you are you have set up. I just sorry, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> and Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and his facial expression changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then he gave a command that the furnace was to be heated seven times hotter than usual. He commanded certain strongmen in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. And then these three men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their turbans, and their other clothes and were thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was extremely hot. The flame of the fire killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace, a blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king looked and was astounded. And he jumped up and said to these his counselors, Did we not throw three men 
who were tied up into the midst of the fire. They replied to, look, to the king, certainly, O king. He answered, look, I see four men untied, walking around in the midst of the fire, and they were not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of God's. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the blazing furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out of there, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. And the second I want to read out of uh, Daniel 6, 16-22, somewhat of a very similar situation. It says, And the king gave a command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you constantly serve, rescue himself. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that, you know. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing could be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. Uh, no music, no entertainment was brought before him, and he remained unable to sleep. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and hurried to the den of lions. When he had come near the den, he called out to Daniel with a troubled voice. The king said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the mouths of the lions so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him and also before you, O king have committed no crime. Some heavy situations. And in both of these situations, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel all knew what their God was capable of doing and what he was willing to do for them. How many of us kind of felt at some point in our lives that we've been through the fire, been thrown in the fire, been going through some heavy stuff? And from what I can tell, we're all still here. How many of us went into that with an understanding of what God's capable of willing to do, or do we go into it with a symptom of a spirit of fear? Still here, still got through it. You know, that fear of the Lord is, is something that's so extremely important to understand. Isaiah 33 6 says, And he will be the security and stability of your times, a treasure of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is your treasure. I'm reading most of this out of the Amplified Version. And uh, I have a, a Hebrew-English Bible at home also, and I read what it said in there. And I, I just love what it says. And it's talking about Zion, and they refer to Zion as a woman, as a her. And it says, it says, faithfulness to your charge was her wealth, wisdom and devotion devotion to her triumph, reverence or fear of the Lord, that was her treasure. The faithfulness is wealth, wisdom and devotion is triumph, and the fear of the Lord is a treasure. A healthy fear of the Lord will produce a fire 
deep down inside of us to desire that everyone around us experience God in the way that we do. In the story of Moses, he has one encounter with God at a burning bush, and this created that fire inside of him that he wanted every one of God's children to have that same relationship with God as he did, that same experience. And I feel like whenever we we make God bigger than our circumstances, the, the temperature of that fire comes way down. We have the, the fear of the Lord. We will love what He loves and hate what He hates. Yes, God hates. Hebrews 1.9 says, You have loved righteousness integrity, virtue, uprightness, and purpose, and have hated lawlessness, injustice, and sin. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. So when we have this relationship we got with God, we, we, we know His desires. And it builds this confidence that we can start to love the way that He loves and to hate those things that He hates. And it's it's determining the difference. Determining who, if we hate a who, or do we hate the what? We love righteousness, but hate lawlessness. It's loving all of God's children, but hating lawlessness. And I think the, Lord, the world has a whole lot to hate right now. A lot of a lot of a lot of stuff going on right now the lawlessness that we despise and that we hate but we can learn to love and hate the way he does Romans 5:20 and 21 but law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining the unmasking sin But where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, his unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased all the more. So that in sin, as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness, which brings eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe that grace is what gives us the the discernment between how God loves and what he doesn't. And this type of this experience comes from that fear of the Lord, just spending that time with him, being with him, and knowing him, and knowing how great that he is. And that's the, that kind of love really is what causes us to have that reverent fear, that honor, of him. The fear of the Lord will cause us to desire to feel his love and his presence. It will stir our hearts to want more and more of him. He will run to him with everything. We will run to him with everything. And there, when there isn't anything for us to run to him about, we just run to him to be with him, to talk to him, to worship him, seek him, and where he where we fit into his plan and purpose of this life. 
Even if we are in the fire, we see him and his plan is more important. And we walk in that purpose. I want to close. Have you ever, I'm sure we all have heard of the, the term Abba, right? You say Abba, Father, and they tell us that Abba means Daddy. It's that, that term of endearment. But that term Daddy is actually a 21st century Hebrew word, which is still awesome. But in the Bible, the word Abba, Jesus says Abba, Father. It's this term that's really addressed to someone that is based on a relationship and intimacy. And it comes with an understanding that the one that you're calling Abba is sacred. And, and it's a, there's an honor and a holiness about that person, which is why we call God Abba. You know, knowing who he is and how great he is. And it comes with that intimate relationship with him. The fear of the Lord gives us an understanding that there really isn't anything that God can't do. So last night when I was kind of finishing up, I wanted to take a, 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 some time here this morning. And if we just close our eyes and just repeat, you repeat it out loud, you can repeat it in your, in your minds, in your hearts, and just, just repeat it. There's nothing that my God can't do. There's nothing. And then when I feel you're encouraged, speak that over whatever it is that you're believing for, that there's nothing that my God can't do for my healing or for my breakthrough, for my children. Spend some time with him. If you're dealing with any of those symptoms that I had talked about, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, either out here, or we can go into a prayer room. Or... If you need prayer for anything else, we'd still love to pray for you. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for being a big, big God. To stir in our hearts, Lord, that that you were bigger than anything that we've got going on or anything that we're ever going to have going on. And that we can run to you when we have stuff and when we don't. You're a God that's, that wants that, that closeness, that relationship 24-7 no matter what. You got our picture on your nightstand. And you think about us all the time, all day long. Thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you all of our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
a nice rest of your day, a nice rest of your week. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. I'm taking away. Taking a well in the valley of my